Hey folks, this is Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels while giggling, snorting, going on tangents, and being super awesome. We're going to start off with a Patreon shout out. Kelly T, you are a bunyip, a water spirit native to Australia that takes the form of a giant starfish, swimming dog, a long-necked creature with a seal-like head, a nautical emu with feathers and claws, or a large alligator that swims like a frog. Look, it seems like you pretty much look like whatever you want. Some say you eat crayfish. Others say you eat humans. You live in rivers, swamps, lakes, and the ocean. Sometimes you live on land. Basically, you do whatever you want to, and don't let anyone else define what you look like, what you eat, or where you live. You are a boss bitch living your best life, Bunyip, and don't ever forget it. And now we have a special treat. B. Koch joins me to talk all about her debut book and recap the movie Bell. Links to her book and social media will be in the episode notes. And patrons, you can expect a bonus interview and maybe an outtake or two in the Patreon feed. All right, let's jump in. Hi, B. Oh, oh my gosh. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. Listener, you missed out. I didn't press recording. And so you missed out on so much wonderful banter before we even started recording. I am so excited for this episode. B and I are twins and we have very similar love stories <laughs> and we're basically long lost soul sisters and I'm super stoked about it. So welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I, I'm glad that you seem to not mind my tangents. My, my sister Aww. and I sometimes joke that if we had podcasts, it would be called We've Wandered Off the Subject. At one point, we got one bad review at one point, and by bad re- review, I mean like three stars. And it's <laughs> like, hey, y'all, can you like stick to the book recaps? And so we floated it to the listeners. We were like, what do you guys think? And there was an upheaval. They were like, banter and tangents is what we are here for. <laughs> that, I mean, that's really the process of talking about a book with a friend. Like, you don't want to just talk about the book. I've been in a book club for most yeah. of my life. We rarely actually talk about the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But we do want to talk about your book because Miss B. Koch is a debut author. Crazy. Truly <laughs> <laughs> wild. It's so exciting. Um, yeah, it is like the craziest thing. I cannot believe it's actually here. And it feels even crazier because it was supposed to be here in June. And then it got delayed because of the pandemic. And right, right, right. So it it feels even more surreal. Mm. I have wanted to write a book for as long as I can remember. And this book for a really long time as well in some form. So it's pretty unbelievable to me. That it'll be in people's hands soon. Well, and I love it because you're one half owner of The Ripped Bodice, the very first romance-only bookstore in North America? North America. But now we have Love Sweet Arrow. 
So yeah. we, have, we have a buddy in the romance selling world. Yeah, we've got Love Sweet Arrow in Chicago. But what, my hometown. What I love, very exciting. Oh, really? Oh, really? really? I yeah, didn't know that. that. Oh That's really cool. But what I love about the book is just that I feel like you're very well positioned being one of the owners and and obviously very devoted to romance to write a book that's all about like real people in the Regency, you know, like to take the heroines that everyone has been inspired by and bring them to our delight. Yes, I feel like uh, people would come into the bookstore all the time and I'd be like, oh, I want a Regency romance. Mm-hmm. And what do you recommend? And I would recommend many different books, but a lot of times Tessa Dare, A Week to be Wicked, because it is one of my yeah. personal favorites. Yeah, that's her road trip romance, right? The, or, yes, the road the road trip romance. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the heroine um, wants to be a paleontologist. Yes. And they're going to the Scottish Society of yes. Dinosaur Lovers or whatever. Exactly. They're going to yeah. talk at an academic conference. Or she <laughs> wants to go present at an academic conference. Yeah. And uh, Tessa included, I think there's an author's note I'm positive there's an author's note, uh, where she talks about Mary Anning, who Uh was a real life person who sold fossils in the Regency. And Tessa was inspired by Mary. Yeah. And when I would sell that, when I would uh, recommend that book to people, I would tell them like, oh, she wants to be a paleontologist. And people would just like burst out laughing. (gasps) And I'll be like, oh my God, that's so ridiculous. Like, it's so inaccurate. Oh, romance novels. They're just pure fantasy. (laughs) Exactly. Like, what fantasy? And it's like, well, (laughs) there's a lot that's fantasy in a romance novel, but that part isn't. Yeah. (laughs) That part is real. (laughs) I was like, wait, wait, no, what? So that was one of the things that kind of stuck in my mind. Right. And I was like, oh, there definitely is a market here for people who are just like kind of casual romance readers and not super familiar with the history of the Regency to introduce them to all these groundbreaking women um, who may have inspired romance novels mm-hmm. and may not yet have inspired romance novels, but certainly but should inspire romance novels. And yes, will. exactly. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Nothing would bring me more joy than someone saying, I read Man Bad. I was inspired by oh. X woman. And then I wrote a romance novel. That would be my true dream. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. And I really, really love the fact that you've sort of made sure to bring other voices out of history that are often ignored. Because there's a whole chapter on queer women. There's a whole chapter on um, women of color. There's a whole chapter on Jewish women back in the Regency. It's so cool, you know, plus the scientists, plus everybody else. Yeah. And I think what's also really cool is that those, you know, the scientists, like a lot of those uh, chapters intersect in ways that um, I didn't even really, I struggled to kind of make those connections. But Mm. a lot of women who are in one chapter could actually be in like two or three chapters. Absolutely. um, Which I I think is something that I would love to discuss more in a a further edition of Mad and Bad. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had never I had never heard of um, I hope I'm saying I'm saying this correctly, Mary Seacole. Mm -hmm. But you know, she was she was a nurse alongside Florence Nightingale. I think Mary Siegel is a perfect example. If you are kind of like, oh, I, I like I'm a student of history. Like I I I seek out my own sources and you know right. of Florence Nightingale, but you don't know of Mary Siegel, that's like an excellent way to check the sources you are engaging with. Ooh. Because I think Mary Siegel, for any number of reasons, but mostly racism, oh, yeah. um, has that. been kind of like downgraded in her contributions to nursing. And 
in particular, like people who considered themselves like Florence Nightingale scholars mm. think that by discussing Mary Seacole's achievements, we're somehow taking something away from Florence Nightingale. Yeah. Ooh. And that really upsets me because I think that is just a perfect encapsulation of the way women are treated by history. It's like yeah. only one. <laughs> Why couldn't there be oh, two? That's a really good point. Well, yeah. And when I read that chapter, I felt like you did such a good job of parsing that out. And not only like there can only be one woman, but also the idea, what I got from it, at least, is the idea that we're so scared of our privilege being taken away. And so, you know, you you talk in the chapter about how educational systems, I can't remember which ones, were like, we can't talk about Mary Seacole because that'll take away from Florence Nightingale. And it's as if, like, we cannot talk about a woman of color doing the same thing as a white woman, even though, like, they're contemporaries who did the same work. There's also like uh, Mary Seacole was more entrepreneurial in her mm. nursing endeavors. Like she made she had a business along with her nursing, and Florence Nightingale was sent to the Crimean War front by the government. Right. So like even in that way, <laughs> they literally yeah. had like different levels of like systemic help in what they were yes. doing. Yeah. And yep, then yep. like history has kind of turned around and like punished Mary for building this business so that she could help people because Florence wouldn't let her join her band yeah. of nurses. Like, yeah. And, and that's the other thing. Like, a lot of people will say, well, Florence Nightingale wasn't racist to Mary Seacole. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> Florence Nightingale right. was racist to, Mar to Mary Seacole. And Mary Seacole yeah. wrote about it in her goddamn autobiography. In yes. her own autobiography. Yeah. Like, it's infuriating when you see yeah. people being like, well, Florence Nightingale was nice. N no. Yeah. Florence Nightingale would not let Mary Seacole join her nursing brigade. And like, right. that's racist. <laughs> it was pure and, racism. And, right. Because she was turned away multiple times. And multiple then just times. had to go off and like do her own thing and raise the funds on her own. She went to Crimea herself. Right. And was like, I'm here. I got myself mm -hmm. here. You don't need to pay for me to come. I'm here to help. Right. And still. Still got turned away. Yeah. So Mary Seacole is like just such a fascinating character and the way the British um, curriculum has engaged with her, like you said, they like a couple of years ago, they were like, oh, we don't have time for Mary Seacole. We've got to spend more time on Winston Churchill. Because <laughs> he does <laughs> like, not get uh, enough time. Oh I'm sorry. Gosh. I'm an American and I'm like, y'all can't <laughs> stop talking about fucking Winston Churchill. Get over it, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, seriously. There was a huge uproar and they they walked it back and they were like, no, uh -huh. no, Mary Seacole can stay. Then, like, talk about, uh, you know, the, the thing about the racist statues being thrown in the river, oh, which is yeah. great. And pe people are like, well, why don't you put up your own statues? Don't throw these statues away. It's like, okay, we did. They tried to put, they put up yeah. a statue of Mary Seacole and a bunch of fucking people protested. Uh-huh. Sorry yeah. for screaming. <laughs> no, please scream. It, it deserves people protested to be screamed about. This oh. statue of, of a woman who did so much for British soldiers. Fuck Over and over people. again. Over and over time. again. And Seriously. she's such a tale of like rags to riches to rags to riches and pulling your, you know, the stupid pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. She fucking did it, you guys. Give her some do. She learned what she needed to learn from anyone who would teach her. Like she would take, yeah. she would, she would um, like gain knowledge throughout her whole life. She, she talked about that, how she was like a student throughout her whole life. Mm -hmm. And which is something I deeply love. <laughs> I, love I mean, I think that's like the most one of the most important things in like a doctor is someone who's willing yeah. to 
see what other cultures are doing and take that mm-hmm. in and challenge their own assumptions. And I just think what she writes in her autobiography like shows us such a incredible mind, a beautiful spirit, like so mm-hmm. generous and kind and truly like the perfect person to put up a statue. <laughs> yeah. Because she's all that and it. she's not going to take your shit. Florence No, she's not. She's going to write about it in her autobiography. And she's going to do it herself. Like, yeah. oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, so, I Mary Seacole is badass. Absolute badass. And there, I mean, this the your book is just riddled with real life badasses. And I loved it. Start to finish, man. I loved your book. Thank you. That yeah, really means a lot. No, thank you. No, <laughs> honestly, thank you. <laughs> People are yeah. like, oh, you should be unemotional about your work. I'm like, what how what would that what? be like? Okay, In cool. What world? <laughs> Why would I do that? I want to be passionate about my work. And and this book is very emotional because it is like, it's a love letter to romance and to the way the romance genre has been shining light on the inner lives of women for so long and giving us a way to engage with that. And I think that's so cool. And validate it. And validate, absolutely. Um, And make it an important part of the story. And then I think it's also encouraging romance to continue on the trajectory which I see and I'm very excited about where Mm -hmm. we are expanding what we will allow in historical romance and expanding the uh, breadth and depth of stories that we can see. Absolutely. And not not allowing historical accuracy to be used as a bludgeon to keep other stories out. (laughs) I I was frothing at the mouth the other day to be honest. (laughs) Tell me why! (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm I'm not sure if I, I'm I mean I'm sure many of your listeners saw this. A woman came to tell Adriana Herrera that her beautiful new book, which isn't even out yet, but which the deal was announced. This is a series okay. set in Paris in okay. the late 19th century mm. and it's Latinx heroines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like heiresses. Coming uh-huh. to Paris for the world's <gasps> fair. I cannot tell you. Sorry. I'm so sorry to cut in. I cannot tell you how excited I am that Adriana Herrera is starting to write historicals. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm so excited. I mean, I'm so it's excited every- for it. everything I've ever wanted. And yeah, yeah someone was like, oh, this isn't history. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh I can't even God. like. Sorry. This is what they said. They said, I wasn't aware of travel between uh- Latin America what? and Europe in the 19th century. You're telling so on this, yourself, you dick nose. It was like, oh, 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 wait, no, stop. What? Just for one second. Yeah. Think about what you just wrote. Yeah. I wasn't aware. Great. Do you want to Google it? Just real quick. <laughs> Tippity tap. You just spent all that energy with your thumbs typing that bullshit. You could have been using the Google. Incredible. It, it was an interesting. Well, I mean, it was a racist. It wasn't interesting. It was racist. And yeah. it was very frustrating because I think what a lot of authors of color were saying in their response mm-hmm. to it was, this is a, again and again, we have right. to defend our right to exist. Right. And that it's derailing the conversation. You are yeah. continually stopping us from our work. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. It was and you know what makes me extra fucking pissed about this whole, you know, subset of, I mean, A lot of times it does come from outside of the community and there's nothing we can do about that. But I am always deeply upset by 
the people within the romance, you know, romance fandom that pull things like this out. Because I'm just like, why are you doing to this author what every other literary genre and the outside world does to romance? Like, I feel like you should understand the frustration of having to be like, romance is valid or this story is valid. You know what I mean? Like, we're always having to, f- to defend our romance in general. Yeah, you would really, Stop really think doing that. This. But it's like you're taking something from me, which is yeah. such a crazy way to look at it. Bananas. Um, and such a waste of time. Your time and this other person's time, which is really what frustrates me when you're wasting someone else's time. Like, oh, yeah. Your, your yeah. racism. But yeah, it's just again and again, the historical accuracy question comes up. And I think one way to combat it is mm. just to continue to share stories like stories of Mar- the story of Mary Seacole, the yeah. story of Dido Elizabeth Bell, which we will talk about. And I'm so excited. <laughs> All these women existed and more. It's like, you can say, you can say it's not historically accurate, but you're wrong, right? And as you said, telling on yourself, yeah. Uh, and it'd be great to see like a deeper level of research come from all this. And I think, and I mean that for white authors, not for authors oh, of, of color who have been doing research forever, yeah, um, who have bibliographies but, for fucking days, and they have to include yeah. them in their romance novels. <laughs> and I, I love when anyone includes a bibliography because I love reading primary sources. Sure. And I especially love Beverly yes. Jenkins' uh-huh. uh, bibliographies because I think the way she tells the story of finding the sources is like a beautiful piece of writing in and of itself. It really is. Yeah. And it's incredible to see just one thing she finds and then just right. the story she she brings out, I, I think like is- It's masterful. Like the best of what romance can do. It, yeah. it really is. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I just want to see more of it, and I really do think that is coming. I think so too, and I am really, really, really excited about it. But you know, we we've been talking so much about the fragility of privilege, and we've got a bunch of that in this amazing movie that you introduced me to. Can I talk about oh, the travesty? Oh, I have God. never seen it. I don't know what I was doing. Well, honestly, I know what I was doing in 2013. I was paying off a mountain of student debt and I didn't go to the movies. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that is understandable. I also yeah. <laughs> don't re- I don't remember seeing I didn't see it in the theaters. I mm-hmm. definitely didn't see it in 2013. Yeah. But it is such a beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh. This romance, I was like on my couch, you know, last night watching it again. And my um, my husband was like, he has like this gaming thing that he does on Friday nights. And toward the end, I was just like screaming and I was swooning and I was falling over on the couch. And he was just like giving me these side eyes like, oh, what are you <laughs> doing over there? And I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, the acting like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. Gugu Mbatha Raw is. Oh. A goddamn revelation in this thing. The she things that she can just do with her open eyeballs. With I, just one single eyebrow. You're oh, like, oh, oh, what is, what is happening? And it is like that kind of romance to me where you're just like, oh, like uh-huh. that gasping. Yes. Um, it's so beautiful. Chills for days. It's so beautifully shot. Like, yeah. I, I also watched it again last night and <laughs> I've completely forgotten. Really, the way it was shot, like, there's scenes where 
they come through the woods. Yes. And they're just like shooting through the leaves. <gasps> it, it, I just loved, I loved that so much. And I really do think it should be in the canon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, talk about being beautiful. Like, people always talk about the the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice with the fog and the schmurschmur and the beautiful cinematography and the sure, you know, which I and that is I true. Love. It's beautiful. Yes, gorgeous. But Jesus, Lord, this thing is so pretty. This, oh my gosh, this movie is gorgeous. Okay, so and it's a big inspire as well. Oh yeah. Okay, let's start. Let's start the recap. Here we go. Okay. So clippity clop, we're in a carriage, everybody. Which is how most period movies right? start. <laughs> it's like you got to get that clippity clock. Right, right. According to Heaving Bosoms, this is in England times. According to B, this is super Regency. <laughs> so this is actually so the movie starts pre Regency. Oh, yeah, you're right. We're, See, we're you know Georgian. What? I'm going to leave this to the historian. Where are we? <laughs> we're in the Georgian. <laughs> Excellent. We're right before, and that's why, like, the dresses look more like if people have watched The Duchess. Oh, yeah, Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. like that's kind of the style you're seeing with those wider hips, um, right. rather than that kind of column dress that we expect in the Regency. Yes, you're so that's correct. just to give us, and it's also kind of when this whole thing with the British Navy with is the going Zong on. Affair. Yeah, though. I will say this movie messes up the timing of a bunch of stuff, but you know, that's okay. Yeah, it felt a little, it felt a, there were a couple of things that I, I needed to get with you on. So we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, we'll I'll happily, I'll, I'll check it, but I will, before we do that, I just, here's the caveat. I, I mentioned the Duchess because the Duchess, I think, is like a really good companion to Belle. Oh. Because people knock Belle for historical inaccuracy all the time, and it's like, mm cool, cool, cool. What about the Duchess? Like, oh, I mean, these movies are playing with real life people. So I will happily point out inaccuracies. But that doesn't mean I don't enjoy the movie. I'm not one of those people who's like, Oh, this is inaccurate. I can't stand it. Like, I love the idea of England. Times. Yeah, No, it's still allowed to be fiction. I never yes. understand that. Like, we're still not weaving neat. a beautiful tale that comments on the time period in general. And that's not necessarily going to be what a real person's life looked like. Jeez. Exactly. And it's like, okay, do you really want to watch the real way this went down? Or can yeah. we let the filmmaker tell us the story and bring this person into our, our consciousness? Like, that'd be right. great. Cool. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that's right. my so, caveat. Let's go. Clippity clop. We're in a carriage, everybody. And this dude, uh, he the moment he came on the screen, I literally, my notes say, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. Because it's Matthew Good. That's <laughs> 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 like, oh, him. Oh, Matthew. he's here. Excellent. Um, it's Matthew it's Good. It's a British and- period piece. <laughs> he's in everything. That's <laughs> so true. I love it. So Matthew Good is here, and he's here to pick up um, like a five or six-year-old little biracial girl. And, and she he is walks so in. precious. She's such a little treasure. A little so he walks in and he goes, oh, she's so much of her mother. And he tells her that he's going to take her to a good life, a life she was born to. And then as they walk out, he's like holding her hand and he's getting these weird looks from people. And I, I think it's meant to say like, like people are looking at him and saying, oh, that's him and his slave, right? And then he gets annoyed and picks her up and carries her like one would their daughter because this little girl is his daughter. 
and everybody's like it's sort of scandalized. People are questioning their relationship, and so okay. that is him indicating exactly as you said, like he's her father, and that he is right. protecting her. And yeah, as you said, people are like, "Uh, what's going on?" Yeah, people are like, "What's going on?" So then he takes her to this beautiful mansion, family estate, and Gorgeous. he presents her. It is very nice. Um, he presents her to his racist aristocratic family. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's in the Navy now and he has to go be a Navy man, but he wants them to raise her as if she were their own because she is their own. So just to let everybody know, there are terms that are historically accurate that are used in this movie that I personally did not find them triggering. I did often find them offensive, but I'm not going to use any of the words because while they might be historically accurate, I don't feel comfortable with them coming out of my mouth. Yeah, I don't think we need to say. I, yeah. It's not think, the N-word, but it is still like it's not bad. what we would call someone today. Yeah, no, I'm super not okay with it. So in this scene, they actually do use the word black. They say she's black. And he's like, yes. And they're like, well, you didn't really tell us that before when you were like, they're like, this daughter. you left some details out. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Which honestly, you're like, dude, why didn't you give them a heads up? Because I don't think they would have allowed them on the premises. I think you had to spring this on them. I mean, I would prefer it not to happen in front of the impressionable child's. But yeah, that's the part where you're like, ooh, could we do this with her out of the room? Yeah, like, can you just, like, parade her by and then, like, have a private adult talk? That'd be great. But no, But I think don't. it is, I think it's good that they that they showed it that way, kind of, because mm. what, I, what I like about Belle is that Belle does not sugarcoat yes. what Dido must have gone through. Yeah. In any number of situations. And this is ju- is one of them. I agree with that. They don't sugarcoat. And yet it's also, it doesn't feel like exploitative either. Which is a really, a lot of times, hard line to walk. And this film does it, it yeah. beautifully. Yeah, it is. And I think that's, to me, that's down to Belle having so much agency. Mm. And she is really the mover of her story. Yeah. Rather than like other people, which I think is like a really beautiful thing to show. Right. I love like the constant choices that she gets to make. This is not one of them. She's still a right. child at this point and she's kind of just watching and, and waiting. But yeah. it is a very like jarring scene to see people talk about a child like that. Yeah, they do ultimately accept her and they're like, bring her in. Let's give her some food. And Matthew Good then kneels down and I did a big sob, you guys. There was a big cry in the middle of my living room when this happened. Because he said that the Navy isn't fit for someone as precious as her and that she's going to have a life equal to his blood and that she won't know it now, but she needs to remember that she is so loved forever and always and oh boy. (laughs) It's it's real big feel feels. It's really nice. And then we get this scene like with the uncle where he uh, she's in the portrait gallery and she's seeing... This is this is one of my favorites. I just think this movie is like really well done. I'm Dang. like, it's so smart. So th- I think this scene is so important because it sets up the importance of portraiture. Yes. And Dido walks into the family portrait gallery and mm-hmm. she's looking up at a portrait and she sees a portrait of one of her ancestors portrayed next to a slave. 
mm-hmm. an enslaved person. Um, there's there's a child. Right. And of course, there are several in this portrait gallery. And in every one, the enslaved person is looking up with this like adoration and awe at the amazing yeah. white person they're standing next to. Yeah. And I thought that was like, again, like, I think it's showing the racism of Dido's family. Most definitely. And where their money came from, Mm -hmm. which is really important. Right. And this is the world she's coming into. So she's looking at that enslaved boy and you can kind of see on her face, she's like, is that a depiction of me? And then Lord Mansfield comes in and kind of starts warming to her well and i think one of the um, one of the uh, the other things that's really well done in this movie is you know obviously you know she's biracial she's gonna grow up in this aristocratic family they are going to genuinely love her you know over her lifetime there is an obvious and deep affection between everyone but not only does it show the beginnings of her actively trying to figure out where she fits in Mm -hmm. this family Mm -hmm. and in this society and how she can navigate this but then there's this moment with the uncle where he's like oh and and this is a another person and she says oh is that elizabeth's dad and he's like oh look at you being smart and putting stuff together and like having intellect like a child your age would you know what i mean like it's very subtle but you can see him being like huh She is like other kids. Well, the other thing about that is Mm -hmm. like Dido was her uncle's personal secretary in real life. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. She helped with a lot of his legal work. Right. So she was clearly a brilliant, very smart woman. And I loved that they showed that in the movie. I wish they had. We could talk about it later. They, They don't put her in that in the position she had in real life as her father's as her uncle's secretary and i thought that was like a real missed opportunity but they allude we to, can get it. to that there's one line where they allude to it but it's never shown you're right yeah, yeah. just when they show her like kind of like going through his papers and, mm. and even her interaction with the case she learns about it from john dabigny like right. she in real life probably helped her uncle with that case and with other like even with with other yeah like that was around the time where she probably would have been whoa yeah because in this movie it's very important to the uncle that he shield her from this big big matter exactly that's the part yes thank you that is exactly the part that's that's not the way that they that he treated her in in real treated her yeah Yeah. i can't say felt but like he brought her into his legal work Uh uh-huh so okay so then um the aunt and uncle are talking and it's the first time we learn that they think that marriage for her is impossible because they don't want her marrying outside of her rank and they think that the only person who would be interested in marrying her would not be part of the gentry and would likely also not be white they don't say that, but that was my take on it. And so they're like, we, she can't ever be married. Yeah, there is, there is some kind of implication. Like, I, I think also that maybe like a fortune hunter would be interested in Dido because of okay. her family's connection, but her like race. I think that's part of also what they're implying. Just that, that he might be like unsuitable for any number of reasons. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. But try to gain entry into their family by marrying her. That makes a lot of sense. All right. They grow up super happy and then um, flash forward, she's now like just about of Oh, age. yes, because did we say that 
they are also raising Dido's cousin, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's two little girls living at Kenwood, which is the Mansfield house. And they're they're both um, like wards of the Mansfields. Right. So they're essentially growing up as sisters. They are cousins. Yes. And and actually, there's this moment where the aunt and uncle, the aunt says like, well, I guess we can just tell everybody that we we got Elizabeth like a like a playmate. And the, the uncle's like, no. We're going to tell people that she's our family, though. <laughs> so yeah, that was a well, sort of a fun conversation to watch. I thought that was a really good conversation to include because it was like... Yeah, agreed. Throughout yeah. this entire movie, the negotiations about where Dido is allowed and where they kind of keep her um, hidden is, a, is very interesting. It's not yeah. entirely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but right. it is interesting. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to to hear your take on like what was not super accurate. Um. Okay. So then they grow up super happy, and it is uh, it, she's almost of age, and they get a bad newsletter. Her dad is dead. Her sweet dad, who loved her forever and had super kind Very eyes. Very sad. Matthew, Matthew Good has Good. died off screen. Everybody, and. She after fathering several other children. <laughs> yeah, he was all over the place with that. Yep. He's really <laughs> yep. yeah. Yeah, we don't really ever know why he never brings anybody else home to the family manse. But no, you know. that is an interesting. Um, and I think the movie makes the illusion that's because he loved Dido's mother. Right. I don't. I don't know if that's which. True, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who, knows? who can tell the minds of men? <laughs> Truly, not even. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then she finds out also that she now inherits like two thousand pounds a year, and it a is now an heiress. Year. Yeah, that's like a serious. That's not uh, right, right? She did not actually. Yeah, yeah Elizabeth yeah. So, was the one who got a much bigger inheritance in real life, right. but the and that's way flipped that in this movie. movie. Yeah, I think they did that for kind of like added drama. Well, I think it was, I mean, I think it was a really good device to show that the differences in inequity, you know, because even though mm-hmm. Elizabeth was the impoverished one in the movie, she still got entree to all the events. She was still sought after by dudes. Yeah. She was still a worthwhile member of society. Meanwhile, Dido has all these monies and everybody still thinks that she's less than. Also, she's way better at the piano. Suck it, Elizabeth. God, she's so good at that <laughs> piano. Oh, my God. Yeah, Oops. she should put on some concerts, you know? Yeah. Okay, guys, people are coming to dinner, and they are men folks, and everyone's very excited about it. It's very important when the men folk come to dinner. <laughs> it absolutely is. And so we learned that when people come to visit, Dido does not get to go to dinner. She has to wait until they do the parlor times with the brandy and the sherry and stuff that time of the night yeah so this is the part where i thought that was interesting because we definitely do have record that dido dined with the family oh really yes wait like now casually or also when people so, came so about yes that that is I, I need to go back and look at the letter there mm-hmm. is a letter from an American man who was mm-hmm. visiting uh, the Mansfield, uh, Lord Mansfield, and he wrote about Dido. Okay. And that is I'm sure one that of was the, like, charming. Off- yeah, well, it, it wasn't the best, but it's one of the oft, <laughs> often cited sources about Dido because okay. he describes the way she looked and talks about her joining them. I think it might be after dinner. Mm, but it, that's it, what it sounds. If I'm remembering the you include the letter in your book, right? 
Yes, I think that. But she definitely did dine with family. She sat with the family in their mm-hmm. uh, church pew, which they show right. at one point, um, right. which was a big deal. So what this American man was saying in his letter was like that the family was overly familiar with Dido. Right. Yes. And he was like, he was appalled at the way that she was treated, which in his mind was too kindly. Right. And he, he talked about how she and Elizabeth walked around the garden with their arm arms in arm. mind. Right. Yes. And yeah. then we see that so beautifully depicted in yeah. the painting. So I think to make it as big a deal as they did in the movie, I thought was maybe like a misrepresentation. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I guess... The, I don't know. Maybe. The neat thing about it is that um, she's talking to her uncle, who she calls mm-hmm. Papa or Papa. Yes. And Papa. Um, she she's like, Papa, I'm rich now. I've got all these monies. Why can't, like, doesn't that mean I get to sit with all the people for dinner now? That surely means something. My station has changed. So I think it's neat because it shows, like, she has a relationship with him where she can ask very blunt questions like that. And they, mm-hmm. he sort of litigates it with her. He's like, I think what he says is um, like, there are, there are social things that we have to adhere to. And so you can join us when no one can make any defensible objections. Right. He's, yes, like, he's very legalistic in the yeah. way he talks about it. And it's like, come on, dude, this is like someone you love. Right. And I think that's obviously something that you see him struggle with. Absolutely. Absolutely. That he is a man who takes the law like very, very seriously. Very seriously. Sees the way it affects someone he loves. But also thinks about loopholes like a lawyer. Right. He's like, oh, well, this is why it's okay. Right. But I think it's it's frustrating because you're like, this is just that thing where, like, men are like, oh, well, now that I'm the father of a daughter, I understand how oh, women God. feel. And it's like, yep. what the fuck? Totally. <laughs> As if you can't so, access your humanity other than. <laughs> well, and there are shades of, frankly, there are shades of that in Mansfield. It's like, dude, you couldn't access your humanity and know right. that slavery was reprehensible before right. this? Like, right. That's Absolutely. Not, that's not cool. And. The, the thing that I think many, many people have been pointing out, especially recently, is that people knew slavery was wrong. Super, they, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's not like everyone was like, this is totally chill, guys. Like, what? No. There were, like, anti-slavery conferences all the time. And right. some of those were fucked up because some of them, those people, like, believed in the noble savage myth and, like, other bad stuff. Yes. I'm just – Yes. The idea that people were like, oh, it's chill to own other people – is not real. <laughs> right. Like there no, were always ab- people who knew that was very wrong. Right. Absolutely. In in every iteration of slavery all over the yeah. world. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. Okay, so now it, so they're at dinner and this absolutely ugh, she's awful. She's awful throughout the whole thing. There's no character growth, there's no anything. She's the mother of these two fuckwads who are there. <laughs> she's like a true like Cinderella evil stepmom character. Yes. <laughs> she's just very villainous. She absolutely is. And she talks about because the uncle is the supreme judicial leader. I don't know. What is he's he? the Lord <laughs> he's the Lord Chief Justice. <laughs> I like that better. (laughs) But I think we should go with Supreme Leader. (laughs) No worries. So he's the the Supreme Judicial Leader of the land. 
And yep. there's been an appeal from a lower court by some insurance agencies, and it's called like the Zong Affair or the Zong case. So he is the person who's making the final decision. Yes, which is a super important, if you're looking at a timeline of the actual abolition of slavery. Right. The Zong case is really important because it was very widely publicized. Well, yeah. Okay. So if you're looking at the timeline of the, not the abolition of slavery in England, but the, but Britain no longer doing the slave trades. Sure, sure, sure. No, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. absolutely they could still, still slavery own them in for England. a long time. For a long time. And <laughs> yeah. Mansfield... Mansfield wrote the eventual actual decision that outlawed slavery in England. Even after that, there were still slaves in England. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Even if it was outlawed, they were still, people were still bringing them there. It it was still, there was still slavery in England. There were still enslaved people. And it took much longer until it was truly, like, completely systemically abolished. Right. But the Zong case is kind of, I I don't know. I I think for a lot of, like, on a lot of timelines, especially in relation to, like, what's going on in America, in the United Mm -hmm. States, those, they're kind of, it's often, like, in tandem with that. So, yeah. So, okay. So the Zong case was this judicial case that went all the way up the courts of England because. Yeah, all the way. Yeah, all the way to the Supreme One. And um, so it was this, it was this middle passage slave boat that showed up at a slave port in Jamaica and said, we were running out of water. And so we had to, uh, they drowned all the enslaved people. They the murdered enslaved They people. murdered all of them. And they wanted to collect the insurance on it. And so um, originally it cited in the favor of the traders because they were like, you got the insurance, you your quote unquote cargo was now all the people were murdered. And so, you know, then the insurance people were like, that's a lot of monies, though. It wasn't like, oh, you guys killed all those people. It was like, there's so many monies. No, um, it that's that's a real horrific yeah. part of this case. It wasn't yep. being fought on the basis of nope. a human rights nope. violation that had occurred or a mass murder. Nope. No, it was a fight and it wasn't about decided who was that way to either. It was not. Yeah. So anyway, he's currently looking over the case to be like, should I side with the slave traders or should I side with the insurance company? And he's looking at the details of like what happened on the boat and all of the evidence to try to figure out what to do. And everybody is sort of waiting breath abated for his decision because it's going to impact a lot of economic issues in Britain. And that's what this fucking bitch is moaning at him about. Right. And you can see various people trying to exert that argument against, you know, encourage him to think about the economy. And you're yeah. like, oh, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, start to finish. Super fucked. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Dido's waiting outside, like way, way outside in the yard, the garden. And she hears a dude walking through the brush. <gasps> oh, and oh it's a goodness. scary, it's, it's an alarm. And so she runs inside and she's like, there are poachers out there. Ah! And then this super foxy guy walks in, you guys. Mm-hmm. And he immediately uh, identifies her as a person with agency who deserves respect. And he, he calls her the lady of the house. Oh, yeah, he does. 
he tells the servant, I believe I disturbed the lady of the house. Uh-huh. And I fucking love that. Oh, it's, I you're exactly it. right. It's this immediate moment of she belongs and yes. I'm going to give her respect. And you're just like, yes. Oh, it's such a sexy hot. Normally in a romance on heaving bosoms, we say this is the moment that he identifies her as a sexy woman, <laughs> which is probably also true. But chiefly, it's he identifies her as a person with agency who deserves respect. <laughs> yeah, that's so it's hot. pretty hot when that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a good, good feeling. Yeah. So she turns around and she's like, sir, we have not been introduced. And he's like, oh, geez, that's that's weird. I, uh, I was trying to do a good and I did a bad. So then he awkwardly looks at the servant and he's like, please tell the lady who's within hearing distance that I am sorry. And uh, I need to give you this letter from my dad. So then he fucks off and then it's after dinner and she gets to meet all the people now. She gets to be, be in company. So they walk in and the mother is awful under her breath. Yeah. She's saying terrible things about like how shocking her complexion is and all the bullshit. And one of them is like into it. One of the one of the boys, the brothers, his name is Oliver. And he's like, she is an exotic flower. And he's another I fucking hate when people call people of color exotic, number one. I hate it. No, number two, he's another dude where you're like, oh, you're here! Bro! Yes! It's, oh, a, yes. it's, a, it's an English period piece and you're here! Like, what is his name? No idea. <laughs> an, no idea. <laughs> but I but like yes, it. Yes, he is that guy that you're like, oh, it's that guy. Yes. He's hot. He's he's wearing a bad wig in this, but he's hot. I think his name is Sam something. Like, he's fine. I don't know. He's fine. Is he Grant Chester? In Come again? Is that Grant Chester? Do you have... Have you, <laughs> have you ever watched Grant Chester? <laughs> no, I haven't. That's, that's the sound I make for Grant Chester. It's about a fucking sexy priest. It is totally... Is it him? Oh, Sir, okay. uh, Sydney Chambers? Uh, James Norton. Yes. Oh, my God. I would, oh, my God. James you, Norton. Yes. If you like... I do. If you're asking if I like a sexy priest. Well, a sexy priest, yes, but um, oh, okay. like gentle mystery um, shows. Oh, like, love that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's a British one. It's called Grantchester. Everyone go watch it. I, I'm, oh my God, he's the sexiest priest. Yeah, I'm into it. Okay. Grantchester, writing it down <laughs> right now. One of my friends, my friend Re- Rebecca and I, Rebecca Weatherspoon. Oh, amazing romance. Alice. We watched the entire... Oh. Love like three love first love seasons love. together, and then <laughs> every time Leah would be like, "What? What's going on, guys?" Would be like, "Fucking Amanda," which if you watch the show, you will understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. She was like, for two months, all you guys would talk about was fucking Amanda. <laughs> We're like, really obsessed. I love it. I love everything about that. <laughs> Sorry, just snorted. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Welcome Ugh. to the club, Brant Chester. Do it. Watch it. Get into it. Oh, I'm into it. Okay. Okay, so uh, Grantchester, all, James Norton is here. Oliver, his name is Oliver. Yeah, and should, English Times Malfoy is also here. English Times Malfoy? Yeah. Like, dude, what's up? Yeah, he is a hero. You are. He is uh, <laughs> pasty. Boy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's like vampire. He, and I don't vampire. know if it's the the makeup that they put on him or the lighting that's going on, but he does not look... Uh, like he's gotten much sun in his lifetime. Yeah, he doesn't look well. 
No. And honestly, I think all of the I think all of those were choices made by the mm-hmm. production team and all of them mm-hmm. were perfect choices. Really amazing to see the way good people are depicted in this movie and then the bad mm-hmm. people like are bad and I love it. Yeah. Okay. So, now the Oliver, the sexy hot one is like, mm. "Wow, she's pretty." And uh, Englandhan's Malfoy is like, "She repulses me." essentially yeah, he's like super racist and then they have this gross rapey talk that is mm-hmm. wow yeah it's a big it's a big terrible it's a no for me it's mm-hmm, yeah and essentially it's like you don't we don't marry women like bell we marry i think he the literal words he uses are, is pure english rose which is so many levels of terrible so the mother can tell that oliver is intrigued at the least and so she's like hey i you know this might be a fun thing that they have uh, a black lady of the house walking around here but i'm not gonna invite uh, this black lady into my house so don't get any marriage ideas and uh, oliver asks if she will play the piano after cousin elizabeth and she's very worried because she's like i don't know if i am allowed to like it's this moment where she looks at her papa and she's like is is this okay and then she slays it dead yeah she's like suck it yeah I she's so good awesome at the piano <laughs> nails it. and it's just, especially in contrast no offense elizabeth but her oh, singing elizabeth. was a little you know insipid yes. one might say Yes. And then Dido is just like, damn, I'm good at the piano. <laughs> yeah. So then Aunt and Uncle have a chat because they're like, they can tell what's happening in Oliver's brain. And they're like, especially yeah. with her money now, we don't want her to fall victim to like abusive yeah. dudes with bad intentions. They're they're worried. Yeah. So then she sees a portrait artist can knock, knock, knocking a canvas together and she figures out that the portrait artist is there for her and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And she has a little mini freak out. And I get it because the only things she's ever seen are like black people just being in super subservient positions to the the white people who are also in the portrait. And it's terrible. I think this is one of the most important scenes in the movie. Ooh. Honestly, because... What what they decided to do is let Dido have a choice about whether or not she's going to be paint. Like she engages in a conversation with her uncle where she could say like, "No, I refuse to be painted," mm-hmm. and I think that's really important. Yeah, and it shows a level of trust between Dido and her uncle where she trusts that the way that he has her best interests at heart and he wants this portrait of the two of them right. and he will honor her and not disrespect her by positioning her in a way where she's below Elizabeth. Most definitely. And that all yeah. happens in this like instantaneous, it's so quickly. And it's so, uh, there's no exposition involved. You really Mm-mm. just have to read between the lines of like cut off sentences and, you know, explanations on, on behalf of the uncle and stuff. And it's, it's a really beautiful, um, very authentic feeling conversation complete with like a little bit of familial shorthand that, was just gorgeous to me. But the other important thing about this scene is that she walks in and Mr. Davinier is there. He's the brute that wasn't introduced to her and tried to talk to her earlier and knows that she's a sexy, you know, agent filled person who deserves respect. (laughs) 
and he's there. And so what's she doing there? Oh, hey. <laughs> so she walks in and she's trying to have this like very vulnerable conversation with her uncle. And this fuckwad is there. And so she's like, ah, hello. Oh, no. And he's like, oh, I, I, we've sort of been introduced, but I guess we have formally now. Oh, he's so sassy. He's so sassy. I know. He doesn't know his place, and I really like that about him. Mm-hmm. So she's like, why are you having a portrait made of me? Like, you're going to have me painted next to Elizabeth? And the uncle looks at her. And is like, yes, next to her, as you always are. And it's totally gorgeous. But then Mr. Devinier is like, ugh, you'd think that a lady would be honored to be painted with a shmada shmada. And she's like, you'd think that a gentleman would learn how to be a gentleman and not be a dick. And he's like, go. <laughs> <laughs> and this is in my notes where I say, is this an enemies to lovers? <laughs> <laughs> It kind of is. It, well, it definitely a little don't bit start off. Yeah. As like bit. best BFFs. Yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. So then she overhears the conversation because the, the uncle is like, hey, I need you to take these. Like, please stop talking about the portrait. I want you to do the portrait. If you want to, that's great. And if not, we can chat about it later. And then he's like, can you take those books back to the library, which sets up her comfort and and the way that she is welcomed in his office. So she picks up these books and she overhears the conversation. It's essentially an interview to have Devinier be a law apprentice is how I'm going to say it. Or do you have a better wording for that? <laughs> no, pupilage? I think that's a, a good description. Yeah. And then Devinier brings up the Zong case because he's of the mind that the law should help make the world a better place. And the, the uncle's like, like what? And he's like, you know, that, that case where all the people were drowned, that one. And then the uncle, as she's walking out, is like, Dido, do you think that I should accept Mr. Devinier as my pupil? And she sort of gets this deer in a headlights look and then just fucks off. <laughs> she doesn't say anything. <laughs> I like, though, that, like, there's this moment where his employment, like, hangs, like, she yes. has power over it. And yes. it just, I love that she has this moment of power over him. Me, too. Yeah. And he's not at all outraged that the uncle would ask her this. No, And no, it's no. such a good... It just like encapsulates the way that he views both women and black folks as equals automatically. Right. And it's just so sexy hot. I you guys. think like one of the things that's so cool about like the character that they've made of Devinier, because that's not the yeah. real <laughs> That's not the real sure. person at all. It is in my mind though. This is canon. This sure. is historical accuracy. This is real. In my brain. Um but but what they do is give him all these moments where he reflects back to Dido that like she is exactly where she's supposed to be. And like yeah. this this idea of does she belong? Yes. And he just accepts her where she is, like as the lady at the house in her uncle's office, um, coming into the court, like in all these different places yeah. where maybe you wouldn't think she would be. He always accepts her there. Oh, he's always like, you're late. I wish you had been here before. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting for you. It's oh What took God. you so long? And his face whenever he I sees her. You. He's just like, oh. <laughs> Which would also oh, be God. my face if I saw Gugu walking towards me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's she's a very, very, very good looking human. <laughs> <That's> yeah. <laughs> understatement of the century. 
Okay, so then she goes back into the portrait hall and she's she's worrying over the portraits again. And he comes out and he's like, hey, way to have a bitch's back in there. Like, why didn't you uh, help me out? And she's like, it wasn't my place. Yeah. And he says, well, your silence certainly spoke volumes. And so they have this whole talk back and forth. And she asks him a bit about the Zong case because in this movie, she's never heard of it before. And he gives her like the broad strokes story. And then he finds out that she's still not dining with the family in the movie, even for like a casual family dinner. But then the aunt offers him a seat at the table and he's like, oh, no, I'm going somewhere else. And he looks at her and he's like, twice now I've seen you not eating with your family. What the fuck is this? And She's like, yeah, you you would think it's really fucking weird that a clergyman is allowed at the table, but yet a lady at the house isn't, huh? And he goes, is that another way to remind me of my place? And she goes, no, that is a statement of mine. Oh, I love that because it's like, dude, it's not all about you. Yeah. Like, I am telling you something about myself. Right. You just think yeah. it's. It's some reflection on you, but it's actually like I'm. You just got a something. little bit of a chip on your shoulder, yeah. Right? And yet, it's totally understandable that he would have that insecurity. I think that it's kind of neat that his character is insecure around her character because I think it's it's cool that he that he views her as a higher up than him. I, I do think it's a really interesting like choice to make him the son of a clergyman. Mm. And wanting to go into the legal profession. Right. In real life, Dido married a man named John Davignier, who we know, we uh, like have historical documentation that he was a serv- uh, house servant. Oh, okay. Oh. So she didn't marry like a lawyer or someone with a profession like that. Mm-hmm. And she married someone who was, who was definitely of a lower class. Yeah. Elizabeth married a much more well-off man and her children like you could see it in the way dido's dido had two sons and elizabeth had two sons and they just had very different lives oh that is a cool choice i thought that at least he would be like the profession would be accurate but i mean i get it yeah it's much more it's much more narratively yeah because like they're fighting together for this like outcome this outcome right and they both have this like vested interest because he has this vested interest in the law like making things right in the world yeah absolutely okay so then he takes off because he's like you just talked about how lowly i am i'm gonna go now and she walks to her room because as b said it's not all about him (laughs) (laughs) and she goes to her room and there's this beautiful heartbreaking scene where she sits at her mirror and she sort of tries to like rub the pigment out of her skin and like cries you know you can see she's having this crisis of like I don't fit anywhere and it's all because of my skin color it's really kind of horrible um yeah and also I don't don't know if I love very authentic yeah like no I don't it no I I don't know that it doesn't feel authentic. I would say I, as a white woman, feel uncomfortable making a black woman feel so bad about her skin color. But oh yeah, I, I don't mean, know yeah. that that's historically inaccurate that she would feel that confusion. And I think they've like set it up in the story that very, very beautifully 
that that moment would occur. It just is so sad yeah. to watch it. Oh, God. Oh, it hit me right in my soul this year. Yeah. And I think, I guess it seems in such contrast to me, I would say, to the scenes where we see Belle getting her hair done. There's, okay. There's yeah. two different scenes. When in the very, very beginning, we see a woman yes. gather her hair up and put it up on top of her head when she's a little girl. And then uh-huh. later, we see Mabel, the black servant, offer to help Dido do her hair and right. show her how to brush it so that it doesn't hurt. And both right. of those scenes are so tender and beautiful. And you see mm-hmm. Dido realizing how beautiful it is and as she is yeah. and how special she is and how beautiful her hair is. So it's just such a marked contrast to see such a sad scene where she doesn't find herself beautiful. And yeah, it just, it's tough to watch. Yeah, it absolutely is. But but I do also love that the film gave her the breadth of that mm-hmm. experience. Like, you know, we got the layers that make up her experience, the good, the bad, and the in-between. Totally. I, yes, it, do, it doesn't flatten her experience. It's not like it was all great. It was all no. bad. Like, no, you get to see Dido in a lot of different situations, having a lot of different reactions to it. And I think that's right. really cool, it, as you said, to see such a wide variety. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so then they're like, he's being a law pupil and he's talking to the uncle about, you know, the evils of slavery and how this shouldn't be an issue of fraud. This should be a human rights issue. And the uncle being like, you know, I'm going to do what the law requires of me. May the heavens fall, but I'm still going to like work within the laws that are currently on the books, which is that slavery is legal. Yeah, it's it's a rough, but also it's a real. Also, both my parents, both my parents were lawyers and I just like had this like kind of flash of like lawyers talk and being like, oh, well, the law said like, yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Fuck the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck the racist laws, especially. Yep. Yeah. Let's just change those racist laws and then we can do law stuff and it'll be still great. Like, right. Because right, there's so many other good laws. Like, oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So then he sees her sitting for a portrait and he, like, gets a little goo goo eyed at her and then he figures out that he's that she saw him making eyes at her and and so he tries to run away and she's like hey i would like to chat with you because i would like to know more about this zong case and at first he's like you know they sort of have this misunderstanding where she's like i just don't believe that those people could be drowned the way that you said i just don't believe it and he He's like, how disconnected are you from the world that you don't believe it? And she stops him and she's like, please just tell me the details because otherwise, what does she say? You're you're reducing me to your entertainment or something? Oof. I, I think she feels like he's kind of like keeping stuff from her, only giving her like the bare minimum details breadcrumbs breadcrumbs exactly and in that way like infantilizing her most definitely yeah so he tells her the whole thing and she's obviously shocked and appalled and sort of like has a moment where she has to steady herself on the windowsill and he gets really worried and he reaches out and he touches her hand everyone he touches her hand in this way it's a really good hand touch i would say it rise you know it is 
a la the hand touch in Pride and Prejudice. Just yes. such, such a meaningful hand touch. Oh, yeah. So good. <sighs> yeah. Really and then beautiful. he gets fired because she's not supposed to know stuff. Dude gets fired. He gets super fucking fired. He gets like, he's like, I will get my things. I will and get my things. Like, and he angrily gathers his papers. Oh. <laughs> I love an angry gathering of papers. God, I love it so much. He's just like smacking them together. Yeah. And then he he looks, uh, he's about to um, open the door and his sassy face looks back and he's like, I have one question for you, my lord. From the son of a vicar. And then he gets real and he's like, you have this biracial niece. Do you value her more or less than the 30 pounds that the slavers are asking for each dead person that they murdered? Because it's such an amazing. It's like gut punch. You have in front of you evidence that people in this world view other people as worth 30 pounds. People yeah. who look like your beloved niece. Do right. you think she's worth 30 pounds? And you just, you're like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. Oh. You feel everything. Because mm-hmm. it's so fucked Oof. up. It's so it's fucked so up. It's so fucked. God, it's so fucked. Um, and so he's like, hey, also stay away from my niece or I'll make your life a living hell. Thanks, yeah, he's bye. like, well, I uh, think she's worth more than 30 pounds and she's worth more than you, bro. So you stay away from certainly her. Certainly more than you, yeah, Vicar's what? son. It's like, wait, wait, hold on. You're not morally superior to him. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? He's grasping at straws. Yeah, he is. <sighs> he is. He's a drowning man. <laughs> will will grab whatever is nearby. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So then they find out that um, they're going to go to town, London town, because Cousin Elizabeth is coming out and Dido is going to be in the vicinity, but she is not. This is so fucked up and and not, I don't think historically inaccurate, but I loved the unflinching way we were shown this and how, how, how frankly every single person involved knows it's fucked up. Yep. And are trying and they're to just ju- swallowing it down. Yep, trying to justify it, trying to yep. deal with it the best way they can, Dido and Elizabeth included. But no one is like, this is right. Yeah. They're like, this just this is the way it is. And it's so, ooh, it makes me feel so many different ways. Cause I'm like, I guess congrats for not knowing it's right, but also fuck you for doing it. Well, you know? exactly. It's I like mean, you th- that and that's part and parcel for the uh, way they treat Dido where they're like, yeah, it is. Oh, well, we know this might make her uncomfortable. We're still going to do it. Like, fuck you. Right. And then the uncle is like, and when you get back, you're going to I need you to explain this to me. Be she's going to be the lady with the keys, you guys. She's going to be the spinster with the keys, question mark, to the house. Spinster with the the keys. So, like, a word for it might be, like, chatelaine, which which is, like, a French word. Yes. House manager, housekeeper. It was a definite position, which, exactly like Aunt Mary, like an unmarried um, older relative, might, yeah, kind of have this elevated place in the household but not outside the household where they're kind of in charge of things so and i think what they're kind of indicating with that is like dido's role as secretary okay but instead they're making it more of a domestic they're making it exactly into a more a more like that makes sense housekeeper role but it's more than that you are elevated with the family's trust 
Yes. Like they obviously value you, but you still are not. You're still working. That's a job. Yeah. So what it indicated to me is the uncle basically telling her there's no hope of you ever marrying. Yes. That is what it, that is absolutely spinster role in the movie, what it is referencing and what he's telling her that they're not sending her to London to find a husband despite her inheritance. And there's a little kind of flubbing going on because it's like if she was such an heiress, they would have definitely mm-hmm. married her off. Like, yeah. So the movie kind of plays with reality there. But but that's okay. It's fine. I mean, work for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so she looks at him and she says, are you punishing me? And he says, he's like befuddled in this moment. And he says, you are most cherished, most loved. And she hangs her head and leaves. And then she and cousin Elizabeth like embrace and and the cousin's like, I'm so sorry. And oh, it's a big sisterly moment, but it's also terrible. Well, I think Elizabeth and Dido, we, we've seen them multiple times like laying in bed together, you know, kind of like yes. dr- dreaming about their futures and like who they'll marry right. and what will happen to them. And so this is just like a moment where you can see those dreams kind of like dashed it's so sad yeah and and a moment where you see them realize that they are on different paths for reasons they can't control oof it's rough so okay so then in the carriage um we have a little bit of a of an england times feminist moment because the cousin's like aren't you at least a little happy that you're like totally financially set up and you don't have to marry a man Like, most of us don't have a choice. We're their property. This is what we have to do in order to have any kind of stability. Yeah, I was like, "Mm." right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hold on, white lady. Thank you for your opinion here. But this is a black woman you're talking to. Like, what? Right. (laughs) You know. Yep. Yep. It it is exactly an England Times. England Times feminist moment, but unfortunately, it's not a very intersectional one. Oh, it super isn't. No, <laughs> they had no concept of that. Okay, so then when she gets into the house, it's a big awkward because she sees a black servant. I think maybe it looked like for the first time in her life, and she has no idea like what to do with herself or how to look at this woman or how to ask her for things or like how to interact with her. And it's another one of those moments where she just has no idea where she fits. Yes, yes. That's and exactly what I was going to say. It's just, it's another, like, yeah. am I, is that my role? No. Because right. she's still, like, serving her at the table. And you can right. see her kind of steal herself. Yes. Dido, absolutely. Where she's, like, she's not sure what she's going to do about it quite yet. Right. But then Mabel, this is where she offers to help her brush her hair. And... Oh, there's that, like, they look at each other in the mirror and Mabel's, like, you know, very kindly smiling at her while she's brushing her hair. And she says, my my mom taught me how to do this. And, oh, it's, like, it's, it's a really beautiful moment because it's yeah. two black women on the screen together in a yeah. period movie, like, having yeah. an emotional scene that's not, like, about slavery. I, I, right loved it i wished the whole movie Me too i would i wanted them so much more <laughs> i was like oh my god i love mabel and uh-huh i think it's beautiful that they show her 
because Dido and Elizabeth's relationship is so important and like this connection between them and them as sisters and that Elizabeth is there, I think is really gorgeous. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so then um, they go and visit those stupid brothers, those Ugh. terrible brothers. Ashford, the Ashford brothers. The Ashfords, yes. And so Oliver is, you know, rubbing up on her a little, not literally, but he's like sidling up and he's like, hey, can we go a walk in? And England Times Malfoy is like, aren't you afraid of what people will think? And I loved this moment because everybody, he thinks he's totally in the right. He thinks he's totally fine. And everybody, record scratch, looks at him. And then Elizabeth goes, what pray tell do you mean by that? What so, do you mean by that? I loved this because it was like Elizabeth's one moment where she was like standing. Like there's other moments where Elizabeth turns into a bit of a fuckwad, a, not a bit, an extreme fuckwad herself. Oh, yes. And I wish she had like stayed on this beat where she's just like, fuck you all. This is my cousin I, and yeah. I love her. Yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, she is a bit of a follower, which. Yes. You know, there you go. Yeah. So they do go a walk in and they're at Vauxhall with the pleasure garden i think it's referenced later mm-hmm. um <laughs> he gets some fireworks yeah yeah so they have this whole date and he like takes her to the side and he's like i'm utterly besotted with you i think you're great and she's like oh your brother seems to disagree and he he says well he's a fool who can't forgive your like mother's background the way that i can Oh, it's bad. He says, like... It's very revealing like better of the half, true... Yes. Yeah. He says, your your better half gave you so many good qualities. Ugh. I'm I'm going to forgive the, the bad part of your heritage. And she's... Oh, and it's this moment of, like... I love the way this movie shows microaggressions. Mm-hmm. England times microaggressions, right? Like, now, they would not be considered microaggressions. But this stupid guy has no idea he has said something terrible to her. He's so proud of himself for being so generous to her that he's, you know, looking past these qualities and seeing the good. And it's this moment where she's like, I know he doesn't mean badly, but I need to extricate myself from this situation. Well, and you can see her being like, oh. this is the guy who like is showing interest. Okay, so this is a guy yeah. showing interest in me. Do I like say, no, that's not cool. Like right. just kind of having a moment and then choosing. To look past, to just Keep moving. Keep, keep it, it moving. Keep it yeah. Keep it moving, everybody. Yeah. Whew. So she's like, there's this beautiful music. And they keep walking around. And then she sees Mr. Devinier, who comes over. And he's like, hello. It is very nice to see you. And she's like, whoa, m- Mr. Devinier, huh? I didn't expect to see you here. And then she has to introduce the two. Oh. And it's right after this moment where Oliver's been like, like touching up on her face and trying to trying to be all romantic. And then Oliver obviously sees him as a rival. And then the moment he finds out he's a clergyman's son, he's like, oh, hello. Great to meet you. It's terrible. But lay- it's wonderful where you see the layers of privilege in this movie. Like this guy, oh, this yes. guy, this guy, this guy. And it's just like, it's very subtle, but they do a great job of it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So then she, there, there was this whole scene felt really 
unsafe to me. Did you feel that in this scene? Like I was so scared this whole scene because she gets like he sort of takes her away from her family and I don't trust this guy. That's yes. It's you don't trust him and you're like, where is he taking her? Yeah. And like, are his intentions good or is he just like his brother, only better at hiding it? Exactly. Is she okay right now? Oh, my God. It was. Oh, so he's like looking up at the fireworks and he's very in awe of everything. And then she backs away very slowly and runs to go see Mr. Davinier again. And then the romance, you guys, is is on. It is cranked up to a twelve. So she comes over and she's like, I just wanted to apologize because I didn't get to, I totally messed up your situation with my uncle and I'm so sorry. And he says, well, you know, just to, not to make you feel bad, but if anybody saw us talking, my head would be on a platter. And then he sees, so she like pulls him over to a bush so that she can keep talking to him. And then he sees her family so he grabs her by the small of her back and he he like pivots her like in between the bushes and then they're pressed up against each other and her, there's like a she's lot like, of shots of the hand oh, like grasping hand her and her decolletage pressed up against him and and the way that she's like gasping and then they're looking deeply into each other's eyes and then there's like shots of like just their lips and oh listener (laughs) it is it's really good it is a big smoking hot but then it gets even hotter oh man so then they start talking about the evils of slavery and uh, and he's like i'm all about abolition and i'm working to make this happen Uh, and then she says it's not just injustice it's like even worse than that they look at each other and she says i've never heard anyone who speaks like you and he says nor I you, <gasps> Miss Lindsay. <laughs> oh, it's just, it is a it's, big hot. It's really sexy that this romance oh. is so much about like them seeing each other um, for who yes. they really are, and like seeing past yes. like him being the son of a clergyman and her being black, and not seeing maybe that's not right. Not seeing past it, seeing yeah that and and loving it and loving that and and like yeah it's it's very sexy (laughs) it's so hot and and like guys this scene was so sexy that like the only word that came to mind just like with their banter was sapiosexual the (laughs) sexual attraction to intelligence and then i was like wait a second and i paused the movie and i googled is there a word for being sexually attracted to someone's morality (laughs) Oh, that's a- there is not. But they're they are they are sexy hot for each other's moral compasses, you guys. And I, I didn't I, know I was into that until this movie. <laughs> I think it's like really interesting that she is like, I love my family so 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 much, and my family loves me so 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 much that they have like an off moral compass. Yes, yeah. They they are making like incorrect moral choices. I still love them. They still love me. But this man yeah. is the first man i've met who is on the like true north path yes yes uh-huh Ooh, and so he's like you gotta go because people are gonna miss you but we meet at this tavern and you are welcome anytime mm-hmm. and i would love to see you basically mm-hmm. and he's looking longingly with his eyes at her Ooh, it's a hot 
Okay. So then um, the terrible mother finds out that Elizabeth doesn't actually have any inheritance. Ooh, bad news. Yeah. So England Times Malfoy is no longer interested in Cousin Elizabeth. And then at breakfast, Dido is feeling a little, she's feeling her oats a little bit. She's feeling her social justice oats, you guys. And she's like, hey, you know, Mabel, that wonderful lady who just served our breakfast, is she a slave? Just asks outright. She's like, Mabel, yeah. is she a slave? What? Everyone's like, wait, what? Yeah. And they're like, ah, no, ah. And the, he's like, no, she's a free woman and she's under our protection. And then she goes, hmm, just like me, I guess. Just like me, I guess. Like, oh. literally <laughs> Just yeah. like me. <laughs> Think about it, guys. And they're all like, oh, Think God, about it. she's right. Yeah, but they're all like, absolutely. Of course yeah, not. I'm eating no, my never. Look how poached this egg is. Inside, they're like, oh, no, we're terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So then we find out that Oliver wants to marry her. And it's a, and we also find out that people are wondering if the the supreme judicial leader's relationship with Dido is impacting his ideas about the case, right? Which is act is not something that we really have any historical evidence of. But it also makes makes a metric fuck ton of sense. Yeah, don't you think? I I, I right? think so. But it's kind of an interesting thing not to have any historical record of because he was making all these yeah. like crazy important legal decisions and had this yeah that's weird in his care um but yeah it's not it wasn't like a thing that there's like evidence of questioning his um oh what's the word my brain just turned off oh i i know the Uh, word that you're thinking of neutrality neutrality yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the one good job yes thank (laughs) no thank you you got it you did it oh boy okay so then Oliver comes over and he he tries to do a big propose and she's so conflicted that she says, I cannot dot, 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 dot. I cannot think of anything more wonderful. Oh, it's just a moment <laughs> where you're like, I don't know, I don't know. Yes, I was literally on my couch. This is one of the times where Michael like gave me a big giant side <laughs> eye because I was like, say no. Ah! <laughs> like Grantchester is hot. Yes. I get it. Grantchester is Fucking hot. He but just say is, no. He is. Yeah, don't be a fucking Amanda, probably. Yeah. I'm going to watch yeah, it. You're going to see. Amanda. <laughs> Fuck you, Amanda. <laughs> okay. So then she finds ship papers and finds that like, that like they had ample opportunity to get all the water they needed. They just didn't. And this is the tr- the real evidence that was used in the Zong it is. case. To it, yes. it is truly what there there was evidence that there were multiple ports they passed where they could have picked up water. The argument right. was made that they had murdered people because <clears throat> they didn't have enough water. That was not the case. They murdered them because. The way that they had this, it's so horrific when you truly it's so talk about the details, but it's important too. The way that yes. they had um, transported these enslaved people uh, made them sick. They got, they packed too many in. They, yeah. they tried to, and so they got sick. And so they were like, if we show up to port with, with sick with, slave, it's sick enslaved people, we cannot sell them for as much. It is worth more. Yeah. And that is, I think, mm-hmm. what Davinier is really getting at when he says the thing about the 30 pounds, because he knows that yes. Mansfield knows 
that these people were worth more dead than alive. And you know that that is wrong. You know that that is fucked up. Right. Oof. So she takes these shit papers to Devonate. Poor Harry the driver. (laughs) She's like, Harry. I, I need love you to take Harry. She just Harry ropes so Harry great. into all her schemes. And Harry's like, never again. <laughs> no, I know. And you can see Harry like look off in the distance and be like, motherfucker, I'm going to get fired. He's okay, gonna, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> so love it. He takes her to the tavern and goes and gets Davinier. And um, Davinier is like, he looks at the papers and he says, this is remarkable. But his eyes actually say you are remarkable. You are and then he says, this is going to put you in a terrible position with your uncle. And she says, what's the alternative? And she is the she's the original whistleblower, you guys. It's just how it is. Well, and once again, <laughs> we're having this conversation of what is Dido's position? Where is Dido's yeah. position? Where is her place? Where does yeah. she fit into all of this? And she is saying, I'm making a choice. This is the where I fit in. Yeah. And like... I love the idea that she's like, I know that I want to be loyal to my family because they are my family, but I also need them to ultimately be loyal to me. And there is a correct decision in this case, and this needs to be out in the public. Oof. So then he asked her to go for a walk out behind the taverns, mm-hmm. and I never thought behind Where the no one can could see be them. so sexy. Oof. So then she sees a painting of a black man kneeling in front of a white man. And she says that we're no better in art than we are in life. And he suddenly realizes why she was so worried about this portrait Mm -hmm. being made. And he's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I mocked you about that. And I'm such a turd. Gosh, I didn't know I was being such a turd. (laughs) But I love, like, like, how often do we see men apologize for something that they incorrectly assumed? I thought it was beautiful. That's, I, sex is great, but being told you were right is even better. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he looks her dead in the face and in the most sincere voice in the whole wide world, he just says, I feel ashamed Mm -hmm. and it is beautiful. So then they start talking about notions of freedom. And she says that she's been free. She's been granted freedom twice, both as a black person and as a woman. And yet she's like, I feel like I have to have a husband of consequence because otherwise I'm not a lady, right? I'm not achieving what my rank is supposed to achieve. And then the phrase she says is, it seems silly, like a free Negro who begs for a master. And that line and this whole conversation just killed me dead. It was so well put. This was just gorgeous and tragic. And I think it just she refuses to um, make it easy for him. She's like, no, you have yeah. to understand the reality in which I live. And you have to understand the choices, the difficulty and the choices I I am forced to make. Right. And and she just like is so honest and it's so beautiful. Yeah, it really, really is. I mean, I truly believe that these two fictionalized versions live happily ever after. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, it's so nice. Because then he says the woman wouldn't be searching for a master if she marries her equal, yes. her true equal, yes. a man who respects her. And the look she gives him <sighs> right after he says that is such a big swoon. 
Ooh, it's hot. And then she's like, I remember my father's eyes. He showed me so much love, even though I only knew him for a few hours. And your eyes remind me of him. And he's like, ooh, my eyes, huh? And she's like, the the, the color, the, the you know, the way that they look. <laughs> I loved so it. It's such a romance novel moment where you've oh, like said yes. too much and you have to take it back. Oh. It's ah! so cute. Oh, my God. And he asks about her mother, and she says, I don't really know much much about her except for the color skin she gave me. And he looks her dead in the face, everybody, and he says, well, then you know she was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's like a real moment where you're like, he, he's not accepting her. He, he loves No. Okay. All right, so then she's like, I'm engaged to that dude, that Oliver Ashford dude, Mr. Grantchester. Yeah, she's like, remember. Oh, oops, I should probably remember. Whoopsies. And he says, is it what you want? And she's like, well, he's amiable, and the only alternative is to replace Lady Mary in the house. And he's like, but she's a spinster. And she says, I know. But Papa didn't trust that I could achieve a marriage that would raise my rank or even equal it. And then he walks right up to her. He wa- he closes the distance between them. He closes the respectable distance. And he says, you are above reducing yourself for the sake of rank. And then he takes off his hat so that he can get even closer. And he says, I pray he would marry you without a penny to your name because that is a man who would truly cherish you. <laughs> It's like B. I died. You, this you is my think ghost. Jane Austen, <laughs> Pride and Prejudice is romantic. Oh. Watch Belle. I mean, I, that is romantic. Watch but Belle. It's but watch this too. Oh my god, this murdered me. I'm yeah. dead. It's beautiful. Okay, and then then it takes a big left turn because yeah. they're at a summer party, and uh, the only way to describe it is that she gets cornered by the terrible brother, and. He there's a there should does, probably be a trigger warning. We don't see yeah, a trigger warning, screen, trigger warning, but we see her face as he assaults her. He sexually assaults her. Um, it's horrible, and it, yeah, it is horrible. I do want to say, however, that it's not a rape that doesn't happen, but it no, it, it's, it's, it's not a terrible a grope. There's a grope, it, and it, again, it's not shown mm-hmm. on screen. You just see her face, which I think no. is like. A horrible, beautiful choice as well. Um, beautiful, but terrible. But yeah. terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yes, it's like we were up here and now we're down here. Oof. Yeah. And and I mean, it, it's such a it's such a cruelly evocative juxtaposition that again felt very authentic. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the casual. I don't know. Maybe authentic's not the right word, but like it. No, I think it just is realistic that this time period, there's just a lot, a lot of casual infidelity amongst the upper classes. Well, certainly. Yeah. Well, but also, I mean, I think one of the best lines in that whole scene is that she backs up and she says, how dare you? And he with his perfect Malfoy eyes and, and they don't blink. And he's got like veins throbbing in his forehead. And he says, with ease. Exactly. And then he just joins the party again. Yes, it's so revealing. It's like, I could do... And you can see her realize, if she marries the other dude... That's what her life is going to be like. That's her new brother-in-law. And it's just... Yeah. And that with ease almost like um, implicates the brother as well. I I think to me, it's like, 
with ease. Like, yeah, this is what. Like, who's gonna stop me? Yeah, not even Certainly my not brother. my brother. No. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Wow, you're right. Um, but then we get a montage of her and Oliver getting to know each other, and you guys, they are super in love. So that's wonderful. And she's sneaking out all over the place, and that's the other thing we're finding out is that she's sneaking out so that she can go see him and like work with him. Wait, not Oliver. No, no, I'm so sorry. You're right. Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, wait, uh, w- I missed that montage. Davinier. No, 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 no. You're right. You're totally right. Davinier. Davinier. Yes. Okay, so then she finds out that her um, her uncle is supposed to make a decision soon, and then the uncle sees her come home from one of these walks with Davinier, and like th- then he goes and he gives a very poignant look to Harry the driver, and like the jig is up. Oh, so- <laughs> Harry is in trouble. Oh boy, is Harry in trouble, and he knows it. Okay, so then we have this scene with Dido and cousin Elizabeth because she's really sad because she hasn't heard a peep from that terrible England Times Malfoy rapist. And uh, and so she's really worried about it. And Dido sits down and she's like, you know, he's obviously not a man of his word because he promised her in the movie that he would definitely be announcing their engagement soon. And then she says, I'm going to help you find someone. I'm going to ask Papa to use part of my inheritance for your dowry. And she's like, yay, now I can marry England Times Malfoy. I'm so excited. And Dido's like, no, back up the truck. He's not a good man. And she says that he touched me in like an ungentlemanly way, which is devastating, but also wow. And then Elizabeth's like, he would never do that because you're beneath him. Yeah. Oh, and so she's like, I'm beneath him. Why don't you elaborate on that? And Elizabeth has a really hard time coming up with an acceptable thing to say. And so she finally comes out with your illegitimate. And in this movie, Dido is not when, in fact, Elizabeth is. So real. I mean, you can see on both of their faces that what she's saying is you're beneath him because you're black. But what she comes out with is you're illegitimate. As you said, it's not accurate that the the roles were reversed. Right. But fuck you, Elizabeth. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Right after she offered to, she was like, I will help you out financially. Like, seriously, fuck you. Yeah. Okay. So then she goes to visit Davinier in the the way that has become customary for both of them. But when she opens the door, it's her uncle. Dun, 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 dun. dun. He's there. He knows. He knows. So he sits in the carriage and like he lays in wait for Davinier to show up. And then, oh, there is this big self-righteous fight that is so beautiful. So- the uncle says, would you risk your rank and your reputation and our name for this dude who's ambitious and like a greasy pole climber? Mm-hmm. And Davinia is like, I super resent that. He's like, dude, be nicer to me. Yeah. He's like, you have to stop seeing the world as those above and those below and start seeing people as people. And then the uncle sort of fumbles around and he's like, well, you're engaged. And he's like, no, I'm not. My ambitious aunt, who only sees money just like you, wants that, but I want love. And then the uncle's like, you claim to love her? And he's like, oh, my God, you guys. He shouts in his face. He says, yes, I love her with every breath I breathe. And then they make eye contact because this is the first declaration of love. I love that this entire fight takes place in a carriage because carriages are for sexy times in romance. Yes, yes. But 
this uh-huh. bite is so because they're like all closed in together. It's so good. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And so she's got tears in her eyes and she says, go, John, you don't deserve this. And so without a word, he leaves the carriage. And then the uncle looks at her and he says, you're ruining your chances with the only gentleman who will have you talking about Oliver. Oh my God. But then he goes home and he's ranting and raving and his wife very gently but sternly puts him in place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> love her. I love this. Love this. Because she's like, hey, uh, everything he's saying sounds like a dude I used to know. You it's like, to bro, Steph, remember when people are in love and they want to yeah. like help the people that they love? Like, remember when we were in love? Right. I mean, we're still in love, but remember when we were really in love and young? Yeah. And also, do you remember when you were a little radical for the law profession? And he's like, yeah, but I never broke the rules. And she goes, no, you became powerful enough to change Change the the rules. But you also got a head start. Like, oh, it's so good. And so she's like, um, oh, she also says, "Uh, it is possible that even you cannot fight change, my darling. Sometimes you cannot fight it because you are a part of it. And it brings him basically to his knees and then she says do you love her and he says as though she were created of you and me Mm. and i sobbed i'm sobbing in my living room and he says and that is why i won't see her diminished and then i got really angry in my living room you guys because fuck the aristocracy it's so ingrained you know and i think that's part of what this movie is showing like if you've been raised in a certain society with a certain set of values like undoing those values takes work like actual work right i think many people right now are facing that yes and and i think mansfield is someone who thinks they've been doing the work absolutely but what she's saying is in your own home you have not well and also like you think you have been doing the work in a certain framework like you have to step outside of your privileged bubble and see right. what the work actually is. Right. And I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people, um, our, our listeners included, that are realizing that they think that they've been doing a lot of the work, you know, but there's always room to grow. I'm certainly one of those people. There's always room to grow and learn and be better. I, I, I hope we're all those people. I think if you consider, yeah, yeah. if you're like, oh, I've done all the work, I'm good. Like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're I mean, congrats. Yeah, yeah, I I guess. guess. Like, wow. (laughs) But I I don't think I want to talk to you ever again. No. Um, (laughs) We can't be friends. Um, Thank you. Okay, so then they break off the engagement with Oliver. And the mother-in-law tells on herself because she's like, you know, this woman of unfortunate circumstances is breaking off her engagement to my gentleman's son. we're doing you a favor. How dare you? Right. No. You're wrong. Oh, and it is this one of the things I, I'm on record I love is a, a really awesome verbal takedown. Mm-hmm. And Belle mm-hmm. takes this woman down and also yeah. her family. Like in one fell swoop, she shows everybody how awful they are. Oh, it's just beautiful. So she's like, I'm doing this because you view my circumstances as unfortunate, but. I cannot claim even a portion of the misfortune of those I most closely resemble. And then she says she doesn't want to marry into a family who would be ashamed of her as she's been required to be ashamed of her own mother. 
And the quote is, her apparent crime to be born black and mine to be the evidence. Oh, <gasps> yeah. And so right before she flounces out of the room, she says she doesn't want to marry a husband who doesn't understand that basically forgiving her heritage is both unnecessary and without grace. Ooh. It's so good. Zing. Okay, you guys, the portrait is done. The portrait is done. And she's a prominent figure. Although I was looking at this movie rendition and like on first glance, I was like, it still looks like she's behind Elizabeth. It's like Elizabeth is facing forward and she's like, you know, off to the side. I don't and really it didn't, understand why they didn't just I don't know use why they, the real paint. Yeah. A little bit. Or copy the real painting because she has so much personality in the real painting that she is devoid of in the movie recreation. Well, and I think that that smile on her face in the real painting is like, it's, it's just often referenced in um, mentions of Dido. It clearly okay. like has reached through history and like touched a lot of people. And yeah. it's just, it's a really important part of the portrait because as we saw earlier they showed how black people are depicted like kneeling or below white right. people and looking up at them and instead mm-hmm. dido is looking directly at the viewer and inviting them into the painting yeah and with this yeah. mischievous smile on her face which is just so mm-hmm. engaging and sweet so yes i agree they like kind of took that out of the painting in the movie but yeah, it didn't make any sense because I was like, is she? I mean, I spent this uh, the majority of the the beginning of this scene being like, is she OK? Are we OK with this painting? I don't know. Like, I was just waiting for her reaction. Whereas when I saw the original, I was like, oh, that is lovely. <laughs> like, yeah, when you wow. see the original painting, it's like it's really wow. Like, <laughs> yeah, it. Ju- oh, man, it just it creates a, a very vivid idea of the subject's relationship mm-hmm. you know it is and the, so clear that they are loving and yes connected and and dido looks so confident it's great mm-hmm. anyway so she's really happy with it and she's a little bit surprised that it's gonna be hung at the family estate and the uncle's like dido babe what do you want from me like i love you and i've done everything i can in within the structure of society to make sure that you know that you're loved and I don't know what you want. And and she's like, well, what if there wasn't those rules? You know, like this, our relationship, our true loving relationship, this portrait that you are going to hang forever in your family's estate shows that you are courageous and you have power in this moment, referencing the Zong case. And, oh, man, so now they go to the courthouse, you guys. I love the way the portrait is shown before we see the outcome of the case. Yes, absolutely. So there is a whole scene. We're going to sort of skip through it because he and Davinier have a a big scene where once again, Davinier is like, this is about more than just the letter of the law fraud. This is about human rights. This is about Dido's life. This is about humanity and you need to know that and then you guys it's ruling day it's he's gonna rule now he's ready he's He's wearing his his wig he's wearing his wig he's wearing his man those wigs (sighs) they make me shudder like those wigs 
they just like look moth eaten, you know? This one in particular looked this one, <laughs> yeah. this one in particular was a little raggedy. I was so, like, what? Um, what prop warehouse did you pull that out of? I know. I know. Listen, he is haggard. He's been working hard. Everybody's he been has. coming yes. at him. Yes. Um, <laughs> poor white man. So she sneaks there. And she goes into the gallery and it's this huge moment because the way that they phrase the speech, it almost sounds like he's going to rule in favor of the traitors. And it's I think it's a really good representation of the fact that he is still upholding that like this would be legal under certain circumstances and he would he would rule that way under certain circumstances. But in this particular case, he can't can't but also won't i guess you know what i mean i think it does a really good job of of not being like and mansfield the saintly savior of all enslaved people which i think is like (laughs) so important it's like this dude had a black woman living in his house for years and didn't do jack shit so let's not like anoint him yeah absolutely okay so then everybody's celebrating. He he makes the right decision. And they go outside. Oh, well, she goes and she, she hugs John on the gallery floor, John Devinier. And then they go outside and she looks at her uncle and she's like, I came here all on my own. He didn't do anything to <laughs> like sway me. He's innocent. <laughs> He's innocent. It was all me. And the uncle's like, I know. I, I love you. I know. And then she's like, and all I want is to marry him. And he's like, well, I still want you to marry a gentleman. So he needs an occupation befitting one. So like, Davinia, why don't you come work for me? Which is apparently all fiction. Fine. It was a big inspire. I'm okay with it. Yeah, it is. That that part <laughs> appears to be fiction. But he, he may have worked for Mansfield. I, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I certainly don't. And then when he leaves, Davinia looks at Dido and he says, can it be true? And she's like, yeah, I think my uncle's definitely going to give you a job. And he's like, no, can it be true that you feel like that for me? Because I cannot imagine a life without you. And then she looks at him and she says, I love you for all that you are and with all that I am. It's very romantic. It's very romantic. It's a big swoon. It's a big, I died. I just, and then it brought me back to life. And here I am, you guys, happily ever after. Wow. B, you have brought me so many gifts this week. I'm so Thank you. I'm from the so, bottom so of my glad. Heart. I literally love <laughs> when people discover Belle. Now, I will say. Yeah. It's the best movie ever. The direct, <laughs> like, and if you loved it and you're like, oh, I'm going to go watch the director's other movie. Mm. Don't. Oh, don't? Maybe don't. Okay. There's one, I, I don't know about all the rest, but there is one where Amangela Stenberg falls in love with the Nazi, which is not no. great. Not great, no. everyone. I hate that. Hate it. Nope. I'm sorry. There are there are a few people in the world who do not deserve love, and Nazis are chief among them. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard no for me. But yeah, it's a- <laughs> so just I, I love talking about Belle. I love talking about Gugu's performance because it's 
fantastic, but oh. um, the director is like a little controversial. Okay, fair. Well, you know what? The director did a great job in this one instance. Truly yes. excellent work. And yeah. I just wish in our conversations about Georgian and Regency period pieces, Belle was like talked about more. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I have no idea how this like wasn't on my radar. Like now I'm really angry that I haven't had it in my life for But now years. you, now you do and you get to go spread it and that's, you can become yeah. a Belle evangelist like me. <laughs> yes, I will be. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also going to be a mad and bad evangelist. Oh, that's... You, you taught me so much about England times. So I know so nice. many more things. I'm so glad. I really about England love times. this time period. I think it's like so fascinating for so many reasons. For me in particular, just the, the sheer number of women who are doing truly groundbreaking stuff in any number of yeah. fields um it's just so exciting like as someone who loves history it's like there's a cool one and there's another one and there's another one <laughs> it's just like there's yeah. a tidal wave of cool women to discover in the regency period yeah i'm really excited because i i want to ask you a little bit about your research and stuff in our patreon interview so exciting that'll be really cool okay so um where can they find you tell them where they can find you i am at uh, B Rose Koch on Twitter okay. and at Perfect. B Koch on Instagram. And I have a website that has some information. Not going to lie, guys. I'm not like a super <laughs> website <laughs> pro. So we are working on yep. it. Uh, <laughs> and you can always find me at the Ripped Bodice. All right. So, oh, what's your lady love? Do you have a lady love for everybody? I have so many lady loves. Oh, yes, please. I don't even know which one to pick. <laughs> Friends of mine who have a company, they call themselves professional enthusiasts. Ooh. And I would like to also call myself, I'm a professional enthusiast about anything I like, I will just talk about forever. I think what I will pick is a recipe. Ooh, yes, please. It's actually so, so, so easy. And the feeling at the end. So it's it's a recipe for star bread. You can just Google star bread. But mm -hmm. my favorite is Sally's baking addiction, her recipe. Okay. I've made it now for like a bunch. I made it for my boyfriend's mom for her birthday. And I like you, you can pick any filling. So you can do like cinnamon sugar or jam or Nutella. But my personal spin on star bread is to put sprinkles, rainbow sprinkles. <gasps> How fun. You like twist the bread up. So then you like see all the sprinkles and... It just is like makes me so I've been baking like a lunatic during quarantine. Like every Ooh. single day I bake something. And star bread has been become like my like signature thing. How fun. All right, cool. So bake some star bread. Tag me. Go. I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Okay. Mine is a little uh, movie that's on Netflix. It's called Seriously Single. It is this South African rom-com and um, it's about this woman who like, you know, desperately wants to find a man. And and there's a lot about it that's um, like a bit, it feels a little bit like throwback rom-coms, but it's just, it's so funny. The best friend is played by Tumi Marake and she is an absolute delight. And I've, I've since like checked out a bunch of her comedy stuff and, and it's just wonderful. 
But so and there is an HEA involved. Actually, there's a couple of HEAs in my opinion. It's so good. Uh, it sounds delightful. I'm going to go watch yeah, it tonight. Sometimes the humor's a little bit on the cheesy side. So you do have to like, I personally had to like look, look away a couple of times because that's not really my style. But the whole thing, it's such a, it's such a lady love. It's such an ins- inspirational thing. Um, and there are multiple HEAs in all the best ways. So check out Seriously Single. It's on Netflix. Okay. So. Okay. Keep being a badass. And love yourself as much as you love to hate England Times Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> I do hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> I'm going to push him in front of a carriage. Yeah, one of those clippity-clop carriages that goes so fast. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being on. Thank um, you for having me. This, this has been, been, a, been delight. a delight. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. All right. Brain, brain meld. <laughs> All, right, All right. Bye. 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 Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes, we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.